Francis Tumblety, medical quack, charlatan, straight out liar, and quite possibly Jack the Ripper. You're listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here are your hosts, Christy, Amber, and Scott. old-timey crimey i'm christy i'm scott and i'm amber and we are here again this week to present you with more wonderful old-timey crime first uh i guess let's do rays of light guys i'm finally going to see a neurologist about my damn back Hooray! i'm so excited except also nervous that they might want to do surgery but they're they're gonna try everything else that they can do first so yeah that's tomorrow and yeah i'm just excited to be able to like you know walk for five minutes without you know wanting to fall over or just you know lay down on the ground and give up so yeah so that's very very exciting and he's pretty uh he's, he's pretty well renowned too so this is this is very exciting um but yeah so that's my ray of light uh scott uh i dropped an awful lot of money this week like a frightening amount i uh just watched my bank account decrease i watched my credit card charges increase but <laughs> i uh as i said last week i am going to make an earnest effort at voice acting and voiceover work, so I dropped the equipment. Uh, I dropped the money for the equipment, and I got oh geez, I got a mic stand. I got some cables. I got the H5 Zoom recorder. Uh, I got the uh, CAD E100S microphone. Uh, some clamps. I just at this point, I better do something with this. I fucking better, because if I don't, I'm going to be pissed at me. <laughs> I think you're, you're definitely going to do something with this. I think it's going to be amazing. I'm very excited for you. Yay. How about you, Amber? I, I actually, I do have a little ray of light. So um, this week, actually yesterday, was the first time that Max said, I love you to me oh. first. He said it back to me, because like, he'll be like, love you too. Yeah, whatever. Um, but I was, I was getting him ready for the bath and I always like pull him onto my lap and take his socks off and I give him a hug and I give him a hug and he like wraps his arm around me. He goes, I love you, mom. But it gets better. It gets better. So he finishes that sweet part with, I don't like dad. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. Which, like, part of me was like, oh, my God, my heart. And then another part of me was like, oh, that's not nice to say about your dad. So I, I just gave him a hug and threw him in the tub. And I, I left the, the other part out. So Marcus doesn't know. That, I, yeah, that would <laughs> probably be for the best. The only, way uh, he, it, the only way it could have been more souring is, like, I really don't think much of Marcus. <laughs> not even calling him dad. I don't really think that much of Marcus. <laughs> but you know what, like, the kids are very um, anti-Marcus, especially at night, because nighttime is mommy time. And so um, they kick him out of his own bed. Like, he's not allowed to lay down because it's mommy time. He's not allowed in there. Like, if he even opens the door and pokes his head in, they scream at him. Like, it is, it's just not allowed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dang. Well, this week... 
We are talking about a guy who did a lot of stuff that is just straight up not allowed. <laughs> One, and I, I love the way Chris, whenever I suggested this last week, I love what Christy said. His name sounds like something you scream out whenever you stub your toe. Uh, Francis Tumblety, that hurt. Francis Tumblety. <laughs> Uh, definitely a contender for King Mustache of Follicle Mountain. This dude had a mustache that looked like a robin had perched on his lip and spread its wings wide. It was absolutely incredible mustache. And it's just, it's weird because I have like, I, I don't know if it's a photo, a daguerreotype, a sketch of him, but he's, the, the picture that I'm looking at, Francis is looking off to the left but his mustache is facing forward and proud of it. <laughs> it is, it's incredible. It's him and his mustache have different plans in life. And of course, Francis is wearing a, 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 a uniform, a military uniform with plenty of me medals on it. And we'll get to the bullshit of that a little bit later. Uh, oh, yes. Fucking Francis Tumblety is a fucking quack. There's yes. no other way around it. He's it even lists him as that on Wikipedia, like in the little like summary off to the side. Crazy. It calls him like a medicinal quack or something like that. Now, before we get started with this, uh, he does have a bit of a Pennsylvania presence. Do you know there is a Tumblety's shop currently in Pittsburgh? No I saw way. that. I saw that, and I was looking it up, and it was actually named for him because they have mm -hmm. all sorts of like weird. What do they describe it as? And a. In a um, it is Doctor Tumblety's Apothecary and Tasting apothecary. Lounge. Apothecary. That's what it was. I found oh this God. out on InspiredBySpirits.com. Yeah. So I mean, this guy, he definitely. Uh, made 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 quite the ripples. Very little is known about his beginnings, his birthplace. Who the who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Uh, it's it's assumed he may have been uh, born in Canada. Uh, that's at least what uh, Ganey's uh, 1995 edition of Jack the Ripper, the first American serial killer, says. Uh, the most recent edition of Jack the Ripper A to Z lists his birthplace as Ireland. The exact year of his birth is still in question. Who knows? Who knows? But he was born to James and Margaret Tumblety sometime around 1833. He was the youngest of 11 children. We have... And I have a, a quick comment here that uh, R. Michael Gordon said in his book that I thought was uh, delightful and accurate. Quote, and to all accounts, the Tumbledees should have stopped at 10, end quote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Although, you know what? We may be talking about Patrick Tumblety if it wasn't for Francis. I bet each one was fucked up in their own way. Yeah. Uh, so we have Patrick, Lawrence, Jane and Bridget, the twins, Alice, Margaret, Anne, Julia, Elizabeth, and Mary, the Tumbletees. Uh, now, James. It, it sounds like a circus act. It really it does. does. I used to work for a circus. Did you know that? <laughs> no. Did you make that sound into the speaker every time they, uh, they started? Is that what your job was? But I did make that sound on the drums. I played drums for a circus. Oh, okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. And then Thanks. there was an incident with a bear and a pitcher of Kool-Aid, and I quit. Uh, but... <laughs> That is a story for another time. 
this is he's born somewhere around 1833 uh and sometime in the next decade the entire tumble tea clan tumble teed over to rochester new york uh <laughs> oh no it's a verb now it is it is now the city directories they don't know how the fuck to spell tumble tea so you'll see it is tumble tea tumulty tumility i like that one myself tuomblety yeah it just goes on and on and on um, there is a Lawrence Tumblety, who is one of the brothers. He was listed as a gardener. Uh, he was living at the corner of Sophia and Clarissa Streets. The other brother, Patrick, is first seen in the directory in 1849. He's listed as a fireman at Rapids in Rochester and living at Six Andrews. And it's recently discovered that Francis's father, named James, not Frank, uh, Evans and Ganey in their Jack the Ripper first American serial killer call him Frank... Tumblety, his father's name was James. James died May 7th, 1851. And that's just one of the things. It's uh, whenever you go this far back, which in, in reality is not that far back, Jesus Christ, things get really, really weird. Yeah, they do. Uh, did you guys happen to see that quote about him at around the age, age 15, which would have been close to when his father died, uh, that a, a neighbor made about him yeah about francis not the father <laughs> yes oh the dirty awkward ignorant uncared for good for nothing boy who is utterly devoid of education i hope that he said it like a 1920s prospector like he just the neighbor opens the door and he's got like a flannel shirt on and he's wearing wearing like khakis but they end at like the knee and he's got a hat with a bullet hole through the top of it and a little piece of straw out of his mouth. Hey, dirty, awkward, ignorant, cared for, good for nothing, boy. <laughs> totally devoid of education. <laughs> and Even I if he didn't, we're just going to pretend he did Please. from now on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like in Rochester, New York, 1848, yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of people you got. Uh... And here's the thing. At this point, he's also peddling pornographic literature on the canal boats of Rochester. He's, he's a young Larry Flint. Last act all the way. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was writing and possibly pictures, which is just something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I read my porn, so I get it. Well, it's not necessarily, I'm more thinking about him drawing pornographic pictures and it just being like two stick figures or something. <laughs> With boobies. One has a really long dick. You it's, can, just a, it's just another stick coming out from the, the half triangle that is its legs. You can tell which one is the woman because I make a figure eight for the boobies. <laughs> nice. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and he loved women. He was just, he, no, he didn't. No. <laughs> no, he didn't. And we'll get into that a little bit later. He also began working at a small drugstore run by a Dr. Lispinard. Uh, he, Lispinard was carried on medical businesses of a disreputable kind, according to the Rochester Democrat and Republican, December 3rd, 1888. Democrats and Republicans cannot agree on much. Ways to run the country, economy, foreign, uh, foreign policy. But by God, they can all agree, Dr. Lisbon Yard is a son of a bitch. 
Sometimes I suck quotes around the doctor part. Doctor. In the same way that I'm a reverend. No, I feel like I'm more of a reverend than Dr. Lispinyard. Uh, You've probably performed more marriages than he's cured people. Yeah. Yeah. Two. Two marriages for me. One of which being mine. Yeah. (laughs) Now, granted, most of Amber's family doesn't believe she's actually married, but... It still counts. Yeah. You would... You would think after nine years, somebody would believe me, but they just choose not to talk to me instead. Well, <laughs> they, they think I punked them. Yeah, your marriage was interesting. <laughs> I'm fucking interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We did the whole, uh, we did the entire Princess Bride wedding. It was, uh, it was glorious. It was glorious. He was in a Pope costume, and it was outstanding. Dude, yes, I had to whip up my own Pope costume. Not an easy thing to do. <laughs> That's friendship. Thanks, for, thanks to a bed sheet and the internet, I pulled it off. And <laughs> at, whenever I was Pope, I will have you know, not one of my church molested anyone. And nobody died. Nobody died. That we know of. <laughs> that we know of. Uh, around 1850, Francis leaves for Rochester. Uh, it seems like he maybe went to Detroit, and here he starts his own practice as an Indian herb doctor, despite Sorry. the fact that he's neither Indian nor doctor. Yeah, it's, it's actually said that his really his only medical training was with Dr. Lispinard. Mm-hmm. Doctor, he's not Indian, he's not a doctor, I'm willing to bet these aren't even herbs. I'm willing to bet these are fucking grass clippings. Yeah. It could be herbs. I mean, it could be some oregano, you know? Yeah. This smells awfully Italian. (laughs) This is, uh, this will clear up your arthritis and it's good on your pizza. Sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. (laughs) Trust me, I'm a doctor. He, uh, turns up again in Montreal in the fall of 1857 he makes himself known as a prominent physician. God damn. How? How? He's even asked to run in the provincial elections, but says, nah, in like a, I don't even know how many words it was. I didn't find the article, but it was like a long and like blustering article in the newspaper. I, I love the fact that he is, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm a fucking quack and a liar. Uh, but, uh, you know what? I'm no politician. That's where I draw the fucking line. <laughs> Everybody's got to take a stand somewhere, damn it. Mm-hmm. The same At least way- he drew a line. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I'll lie about being a doctor, but I'm not going to tell the truth about being a politician. <laughs> yeah, he, probably, he probably just figured he could make more money selling people snake oil or snake herbs, mm-hmm. as you will. Now, he declined the offer. I, I tried to find it. Did anybody find the, uh, the explanation in the local newspaper? No. He, uh, he, this feels very Tiger King-ish. This feels like he's like the Joe Exotic of medicine. Oh, um, that's fantastic. He totally is. Yeah. Isn't this? Uh, he declines the offer, and he, he goes through this grandiose and overbearing explanation in the local newspaper and then, September 23rd, 1857, the first, honest-to-God, solid date we have. He, why, what's he known for? Attempting to abort the pregnancy of a local prostitute named Philomena Dumas. Not dumbass. 
Dumas. Well, <laughs> you'd be right either way. Mm-hmm. And there's <laughs> some speculation that the child may have been his. Well, no, don't know one way or the other. But. Yeah. Show of hands, who here has knocked up a prostitute? Anybody? I mean, you guys can't see me, but my hands are down. So. Okay. <laughs> we can't see you, Scott. <laughs> uh, my hands are very much down. Dude, just, <laughs> if you're going to be with prostitutes, for the love of God, wrap the rascal. It's, please, please. I don't care if you're with a prostitute, especially one named Philomena, but <laughs> wrap the dick, wrap the dick. He supposedly sold her a bottle of pills and liquid for, uh, for this, but, but did it work? Did it not work? What were the pills? What were the liquid? It's all, all, as far as I know, they might have been M&Ms and antifreeze, which <laughs> might do the job. I don't know. <laughs> but these didn't do the job. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, now, after some legal haggling, Tumblety was released on October 1st. Uh, and on the 24th, no true bill. That was reached, and no trial was ever undertaken on Tumblety. He fucking gets away with it. This is the beginning of... Uh, one of the articles said that, you know, he has a lot of close calls, and I was like, that's his nickname. Francis, close call, Tumblety. Yeah. Although yeah. I also like Francis, the Joe Exotic of medicine, Tumblety. I think I, I like the Joe Exotic of Medicine better. I, I do, too. I do, too. It's already the episode title. I've written it down and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Do you think Carol Baskin's... Uh, do you think Carol Baskin's husband was fed to the tiger? I need to ask you guys. I don't think I've ever asked you. I think he was involved in some pretty shady dealings, so mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's pretty much even odds. As to whether it was his shady dealings or whether it was her. No, you're not going to like my answer, Scott. What's that? I've never watched it. Oh, yeah, that's right. You need to. You, honest to God, need to. No. She won't watch it because it's popular. It's very beast-like. It's it's fantastic. It is. It's absolutely incredible. It's like watching a fucking train wreck. It's like, and Carol Baskin slips up so many times during the entire thing, almost saying that that she's fed her husband to tigers. It's like, how do your tigers look so healthy? By feeding the meat I used to be married to. Um, <laughs> no, like, I, I really will not watch things based on principle. The more people that have watched them and liked it, the more I will not like it. I, I think, so I just, I'm not going to waste my time. I think the thing that's fascinating about Tiger King is that I can honestly say, like, there are only three decent people in the entire fucking show. Everybody oh, yeah, yeah. else is a horrible human being. It's a cast of assholes. It yeah. really is. It really is. Uh, Speaking of assholes, let's, let's talk some more about Tumblety. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our, our, the Joe Exotic of our hearts. Yes, there we go. <laughs> uh, it was either early 1858 or July of uh, 1860. Tumblety leaves Montreal for St. John. And in 1860, in September, he again gets in trouble whenever a patient, James Portmore, died while taking medicine prescribed by Tumblety. And Tumblety shows up at the coroner's inquest, question Portmore's widow himself as to the cause of death. And it didn't work. Tumblety makes a last-ditch attempt by, uh, by fleeing the town for Calais, Maine. Now, I real quick have a quote 
from his time in St. John, uh, somebody described it. Uh, this is in New Brunswick. I, I guess I don't know Canadian uh, geography very well. I don't know American geography very well. So, uh, well, we I never go to war on ourselves, that. so we never see it on the TV. That is very true. Yeah. So uh, and we don't. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh, this yeah. this yeah. week we did. Whoopsies. Yeah. So, quote. He claimed to be an electric physician of international reputation. He put up at the leading hotel of the city and by his pretentious airs convinced the people that he was he was ah damn it that he was all he represented himself to be. Practice poured onto him, he charged whatever fee he pleased and made money rapidly. And we should note that he did, according to at least one source, leave a charge of manslaughter behind him in uh, in New Brunswick. So he he got away from from that. Close call. By the way, electric physician, name of my funk band. Nice. I, I was just thinking that, yeah. electric physician. That's a good band name. It's just, ladies and gentlemen, we were electric physician. <laughs> lots of, lots of rainbow wigs and big, thick boots. Anyway, from there, electric physician travels to Boston. <laughs> and he starts wearing... Fucking, like I said, Joe Exotic, he starts wearing a military outfit and riding a white steed led by two greyhounds. Yeah, this is, must have been quite a sight. I really wish we had a picture. Really? Yeah, me too. Now, why the two greyhounds? Are they there uh, just to keep the steed company? Are they, they there They kind of look like tiny horses, I guess. Yeah. They're they're sleek and a sign of uh, of wealth. Man, I don't understand. Like I know in like the Middle East, they'll have like a donkey leading a camel because the donkey's not strong enough to to move the plow, and the camels because they lift both legs on the side. If they plow by themselves, you get like serpentine serpentine uh, hoe shares. And by the I... way, hoe sharing is uh, is mine is my hobby. <laughs> I'm thinking he had the two greyhounds in case he ran into any women so he could sick them on the women because everybody knows greyhounds are really fast and women with the dresses run slow and also being the, the, the weaker sex and, and you know in, in his view sucking in general and not in a good way uh, so yeah I bet I, maybe that's it maybe he, they were his attack dogs for uh, if he happened to run into uh, one of those devilish women yeah he did not like women I, uh, Colonel Dunham uh, gave testimony. Colonel Dunham said, somebody asked why he had not invited some women to his dinner. His face instantly became as black as a thundercloud. He had a pack of cards in his hands, but he laid them down and said, almost savagely, No, Colonel, I don't know any such cattle, and if I did, I would, as your friend, sooner give you a dose of quick poison than to take you into such danger. He then broke into a homily on the sin and folly of dissipation. Fiercely denounced all women, and especially fallen women. Wink. He then invited us into his office, where he illustrated his lecture, so to speak. On one side of this room was entirely occupied with cases outward resembling wardrobes. When the doors were opened, quite a museum was revealed. Tiers of shelves with glass jars and cases, some round, another square, filled with all sorts of anatomical specimens. The doctor placed on a table a dozen or more jars containing, as he said, the matrices, see, uteri, of every class of woman. 
Nearly a half of one of these cases was occupied exclusively with these specimens. Not long after this, the doctor was in my room when the lieutenant colonel came in and commenced expatiating on the charms of a certain woman. In a moment, almost, the doctor was lecturing him and denouncing women. When he asked why he hated women, he said that when he was quite a young man, he fell desperately in love with a pretty girl, rather his senior, who promised to reciprocate his affection. After a brief courtship, he married her. The honeymoon was not over when he noticed a disposition on the part of his wife to flirt with other men. He remonstrated. She kissed him, called him a dear jealous fool, and he believed her. Happening one day to pass in the cab through the worst part of the town, he saw his wife and a man enter a gloomy-looking house. Then he learned before her marriage his wife had been intimate of that in many similar houses. Then he gave up all womankind. Nothing but the sausage for tumble tea. (laughs) (laughs) I do have another quote from Colonel Dunham that really, I think, sums everything up. Are you going to say it in the voice? (laughs) That man put his finger in my bum hole. (laughs) Quote, he is not a doctor, a more errant charlatan and quack never fastened on the hopes and fears of afflicted humanity. He professed to have an extensive experience in European hospitals and armies and claimed to have diplomas from the foremost medical colleges of the old world and new. But still, amazing penis. (laughs) <laughs> and this was when he was in D.C. He hopped around a lot. This guy loved to travel. He was he from Boston. He went to Jersey City, then New York City, then San Francisco and Pittsburgh. And then he hit D.C. Um, for, you know, like the beginning of the Civil War. And he just loved to go hang around in his fake uniform at the, like the Navy Yard and the War Department and the hotels and try to socialize with the bigwigs. Well, he he claimed he was a Union Army surgeon. Claimed he was friends with President Lincoln, uh, General Grant, and he was he was none of this. And that's a running theme. We see a lot of him trying to name drop names that have nothing to do with him and probably never met him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, I was uh, speaking the other day to uh, Theodore Roosevelt. He hasn't been <laughs> born yet. I was speaking to Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted. Uh, yeah, it's, and honestly, the, 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 uh, the story of Colonel Dunham, it's, it's one of a thousand. Yeah, and it's quite the tale. Do we have any theories as to the source of the uteri or sources? You know, like, were they, did he extract them himself or was it great from I think, I think it was probably stuff that he extracted himself. My theory is it's like, you know, whenever he was performing these back alley abortions, you know, well, I've got a way you'll never be pregnant again. Yoink. But he was said no. to look down on surgery and stuff like that and really, I mean, we saw the, the one ab- abortion that we know about that he tried to make happen was with, you know, liquids and herbs. Okay. So I actually did find one thing where an American doctor had approached the London Pathology Museum in an attempt to purchase the uteruses of deceased women. Hey. So th- there, there's a theory that that was Francis Tumblety, oh. or it's just a really odd coincidence. How the oh. fuck do you bring that up in casual conversation? Uh, doctor, my back's been hurting. Whenever I uh, twist like this... 
uh, it was like a sharp pain up through my kidneys. And I was, uh, I was wondering, do you have any pills that would uh, help me procure a human uterus? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. He, he wanted several. Like he was asking for like all of them. Um, and I'll so take with- every uterus you have. Right, but since the, since this is uh, the time period where the police are a little on edge in London, they did take note that a man was trying to purchase them, and that's the only reason it was noted. Man, that is really fascinating, Amber. Good find. I own not one human body part. Same, really. No comment. <laughs> I mean, I have the human body parts that are mine. Yeah, yeah. But they're inside me and attached to me and such. I don't have any that belong to other people. Uh, yes, you do. I, you, you, you have Jackson's, Jackson's balls. balls. <laughs> <laughs> that was impressive, you guys. That was really good. Oh. Like that time when we were at the bar and I sent Jackson to and grab my purse from over by Amber. And uh, I think it was it was by you. And he comes. Yeah, over. it was by me. And he was so quiet about it. He's like, can you can you hand me Christy's purse? I think my balls are in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, anyhow. I love Jackson. I miss Jackson. I just want to give him a hug and rub his bald spot. He's the best person to be. Uh, don't talk about his bald spot. <laughs> it's there. It's adorable. <laughs> no, he knows it's there. Um, it hasn't gotten any bigger, so there's that. But yeah, uh, he's he the, could look like Marcus. <laughs> he's the best. Yeah, Jax is the best person to be quarantined with, honestly. So, well, and and he's he's so quietly hilarious, which is like the best thing about Jackson. Is like he's funny as hell, but you actually have to be listening because if you're not, you'll miss it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like uh, Milton from Office Space. <laughs> it's my stapler. Yeah, <laughs> my balls are over there. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, we're not talking about balls. We're talking about uteruses. Yeah, that's well, right. Tumble team moves to St. Louis again, setting up his, and I'm using this term in quotes, medical practice. And he's here's the thing: if you're going to be a fake doctor, do the smart thing and be kind of subtle about it. Go under the radar. Not Tumblety. Uh, Tumblety, he is wearing military garb, medals he didn't deserve, stolen valor, and and people are just kind of like uh, like going nuts about this. He's actually arrested in St. Louis for for stolen valor, and Tumblety goes, "It's my medical competitors. They're jealous of me." Ha ha. <laughs> And then he goes to, and he has this—he has this habit of going to places where they have like a, a French bend to the name, Carondelet, Missouri, and he's imprisoned again on stolen valor. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, I, I love. Wait, this. did they give him the medals back after the first time? Like, here you can have it again. It's fine. I have <laughs> no idea. I have no idea. Uh, Tumblety goes back to St. Louis and he goes under the name J.H. Blackburn. This was a dumb choice because, because a Dr. L.P. Blackburn was under warrant for a plot to infect the North with blankets carrying yellow fever and part of the Lincoln assassination. And Tumblety's rested for the assassination of President Lincoln, his friend. 
It's all very confusing because he is extradited for DC to DC and then released for this. But then you read different sources and it seems like there's a possibility that there's because there's a lot more information about the yellow fever thing. So it seems like it's possible that he was extradited for that because of the name connection. And then the assassination thing, it sounds like, was maybe possibly just rumors because all it is is that he was thought to be associated with an associate of John Wilkes Booth. So I don't know. It's really confusing. But um, well, and, and the problem with pathological liars, aside from the fact that we can't really keep it straight because there's so many stories, is he can't keep them straight because he can't remember what lie he's on. That's true, yeah. And the problem with uh, what uh, Dr. Luke P. Blackburn was, uh, who, by the way, would become the future governor of Kentucky, uh, was trying to do uh, with the uh, possibly trying to do with the linens and garments from uh, that were supposed to have uh, yellow fever infection. Uh, it's uh, you may know it spreads by mosquitoes. Uh, uh, <laughs> they didn't find that out until 1900, but still, uh, it, he if he did, did in fact do that, it was a complete waste of time. Good try. Good try. I'll put mosquito bait on these blankets. <laughs> That'll do the trick. Um, <laughs> Double T is exonerated. And then the same way that Joe Exotic creates Joe Exotic Television. Uh, of course, we don't have the internet back in those times. So what does Tumble T do? He writes and publishes The, Kidnack- the Kidnapping of Dr. Tumble T, a short pamphlet in an attempt to clear his name and to reestablish good faith. But the book is just paranoid ramblings, ramblings and fraudulent testimony. It's just utter bullshit. It's shocking. The, the X-Men comics are probably more biographical than this book. And it, it's really it's, I think it's the first time that we know of. But this is definitely a, a, another running theme in his life. He's, this is his go to move. <laughs> I'll write a pamphlet. <laughs> Although my go-to move, my go-to move is we'll start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, worked for Romania. I'm just saying. Yeah. Hey, Romania. Yay. Hi, Romania. Do you still love us, Romania? We still love you. We still love you. Uh, Thank you for listening to our filthy words. <laughs> Tumble T le- leaves the U.S. in late 1860. He travels to Berlin, then to Liverpool by 1874. And he falls in with Sir Henry Hall Kane, uh, who is 21 and just as bisexual as a French horn. Um, <laughs> and that is a weird, but okay. Can you picture any other musical instrument that you can clearly identify as bisexual? Uh, no, I think you've got it. Mm-hmm. French horns, <laughs> absolutely bisexual. Hey, if you're a French horn, good for you. Who am I to judge? You're very important to the orchestra of life, in my opinion. But you are what you are. You're a French horn. (laughs) Um, The the two carried out a romance until 1876. Tumblety leaves for New York. Um, he did set up shop there and was continuing to do his thing in 1874. And actually, uh, a man named Edward Hanratty in 1875 took some of his snake oil and then died. And another man who must have been somehow uh, associated with Hanratty threatened a lawsuit. And so that's when uh, he 
Uh, good old Tumbledy skipped off to London, as he usually does, and he tried to uh, spin it because he, you know, word was getting out. And so he had Hall Kane that you mentioned, his 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 good uh, close close French horn buddy, uh, write or edit rather his fourth biography, fourth biography, mm-hmm. passages from the life of Doctor Francis Tumbledy. At this point, why? <laughs> I know, right? At this point, this guy is like a mega. He, he is so in love with himself. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Like. At this point, you're with Sir Henry Hall Kane. That's your fuck buddy. That's your lover, right? A Sir, a Sir Henry. Surely there had to be some cashola there. Why do you keep on with the fake doctor? You just sit back, you eat bonbons, you suck a little dick, you have a good life. Why do you keep going on with the bullshit? He needs to be the center of attention. Mm. He really does, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. He's a chronic narcissist. Yeah. Do you think maybe he just got sick of Sir Henry? Is that part of it? <laughs> Do you think no. Sir Henry got sick of him? <laughs> I honestly, I think his ego needed more. This episode is sponsored by Podcorn. So we love podcasting, don't we, guys? I want, I want on my tombstone at the end of my life, if I die... Uh, I do want to have podcaster slash sex magician on that tombstone. I'll make that happen for you, Scott. Ooh. Well, in order for that to happen and to get that podcaster title on your tombstone, you have to keep podcasting. In order to keep podcasting, you need some money coming in through the door. This is not always a cheap enterprise we're doing here. And so in order to help fund these wonderful shows that we bring you, we use Podcorn. Now, Podcorn is a marketplace that connects podcasters to so many amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities. They have host-read ads interview segments, topical discussions, and more. One thing I love about our experience with Podcorn is I have made so many friends with different people behind the brands. And I really feel like it's it's more than just that sponsorship platform. I feel like it's also connecting people, which is really good right about now. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> So with Podcorn, you never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn will support you at every step and make sure you're protected and compensated for the work you do for brands. Uh, One thing that I really love is just getting on Podcorn and scrolling through all the different new sponsorship opportunities and finding the one that's right for us. So click the link in our show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. Apparently his ego, like in New York, they said he had a craving for the company of young men and grown-up youths. Yeah, he would hang around the uh, the post office building and uh, just uh, looking for looking for the men. And uh, <laughs> the post yeah. office—that's where I pick up all my ladies. The post he, office. He had a thing for sirs, and he had a thing for clerks. <laughs> I mean, I can see that. Certain occupations, certain occupations really flick the bean, I suppose. He also has a... I have a thing for prostitutes. (laughs) (laughs) He also has a 
a weird arrest in New Orleans in 1881, and I have from the Magnolia Gazette. Uh, I, if I had read this on the day that it was published, I would have thought that uh, it was a little prank on the part of the editors because it was April 1st. But, uh, quote, an English millionaire, Dr. Francis Tumblety, was arrested in New Orleans a few days ago for picking the pockets of Henry Govin and taking therefrom $100. And I'm going to pause the quote to say, Scott, you are not the first to make that pun. Continuing the quote. We guess he will have to tumble to the state prison. Yeah. <laughs> when you first made that pun, I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> well, to be fair, I did make a 200-year-old pun. So you yes, you did. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a weird little incident. Uh, it was strange. Yeah, this is... This is this is a bit weird, and you know what? Yeah, in in the years that follow, Tumblety travels America. He goes back to Europe. Uh, he brings false suit against a Mrs. Lyons uh, for the sum of one thousand dollars, which he claims she stole from him. Uh, and then, October of eighteen eighty-five, his brother Patrick was killed in Rochester whenever a crumbled chimney landed on him. I tried Yikes. not to giggle saying that. <laughs> you were mostly successful. Mostly. There's just uh, how how do you how do you not escape a chimney? Well, if say he was like sweeping it cuz it's October, it's starting to get a little colder. Okay. He's probably trying to clean it out. And then it collapsed on him. I mean, my grandfather yeah. was killed by pipes. So, I I guess I get it. Yeah, and he it, didn't he also almost freeze to death in the chicken coop? No, that was my uh that was my father's uncle. Who oh, did. oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, that's okay. My father's uncle did freeze to death in the chicken coop. Scott <laughs> Livingood. That's who I'm named after. So it could have been worse. He could have frozen to death in the chicken coop, but instead he uh, died by chimney. Yep. Or it could have Scott, been both. <laughs> your family's accidental deaths sound like something from a very dark St. Olaf. So, okay. So... <laughs> My my father's uncle, uh, Scott Livingood, it was his mother's brother. Uh, he was a bit, he liked the drink. And you got to remember, this is 1924, 25, something around that era. Uh, just pre-depression. And he, uh, since he likes the drink, one night he gets drunk and he walks home. And he decides, I don't feel like getting into a fight with the wife. I'll sleep in the chicken coop with the rest of the chickens. And that night there was a cold snap. Uh, the chicken survived and he did not. Oh, my. He, uh, <laughs> he froze to death in the chicken coop. I'm sure the alcohol in his blood didn't help him survive. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's who I'm named after. My grandfather, Wilbur Wright, uh, he was doing some construction and there was a series of, uh, of heavy sewer pipes on the back of a truck. They were not securely tied down. The truck drove off, and they all slid off and crushed him. Ooh, that is uh, my nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, one of. One of. Oh, yeah, I have lots of nightmares. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the chimney. chimney is not that bad. No, it sounds like I wonder if maybe I'm related to Tumblety here. <laughs> <laughs> so old old Doctor Tumblety, uh, he returns to Liverpool in June of 1888, 
uh, finds himself again in trouble with the cops. He's arrested November 7th of the same year on charges of gross indecency, indecent assault, uh, force, arms against four men between July 27th, November 2nd. And these were all euphemisms for this dude likes other dudes. Yeah, essentially, um, these gross indecency, that's what Oscar Wilde would be charged with in 1895. And apparently it's a term that means homosexual acts not amounting to buggery because buggery has its own statute. Wasn't Turing as well put on those charges? Probably. Yeah. Let's look real quick. Boy, that's a shame. Poor Turing. Oh, I know, right? Like Oscar Wilde, Oscar Wilde, you know, he's he was clever enough to talk himself out of it, but Turing, poor Turing, a genius, and just because he wanted to love somebody who was his own gender, what a stupid thing to 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 be illegal. Yeah, gross indecency was what uh, Alan Turing was uh, was charged with. Yep. God damn it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how far along science would be if Turing wouldn't have been had committed suicide because of gross indecency charges? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was, progress was really stopped uh, or at least interrupted that could have been continued and our society and humans as a, in general could be much better off right now. Yeah, yeah. Fucking impeded right in its tracks. Yeah. Uh, these, uh, Tumblety was then charged on suspicion of the Whitechapel murders. That's right. Jack the Ripper. Maybe Tumblety. Probably not. Now, I question whether they actually charged him with that or if they just held him on charges, uh, like the, the ones that they did, the gross indecency and indecency assault. I also have another account of him being charged with dealing in gross literature so he's just you know going back to his roots um and in order to try and keep him there and investigate him for the the jack the ripper murders because i never actually saw a charge of murder or anything only these charges about gross literature gross indecency indecent assault so that's what i'm wondering if it was just like what the police do where they charge you with whatever they can find so that you stay put and they can keep an eye on you and figure out you know and investigate before you have a chance to escape that certainly didn't work because uh Francis uh, goes, hey, you know what, Francis, France, never been there before, let's go. And <laughs> he, uh, he leaves under the name Frank Townsend on the 24th. And then and he in France... Bail. He, he's out on bail for $1,500. Yeah. And, then, and he just skips out. Toodles. I'm, I'm, I'm a millionaire. Whatever. I don't care. I do have a note uh, that the London police sent inquiries to the police superintendent of Brooklyn in regards to Tumblety. And within this inquiry, it was uh, a quote. He says he is known to you, Chief, as Brooklyn's beauty. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. So I just wanted to, to get that in there because that was interesting. Yeah, Frank, uh, Frank decides to go to New York. He uh, takes the steamer La Bretagne, I'm assuming, to New York City. Sound like that. Yeah, and the, uh, the New York officials are watching the ports. And no avail. This is this is whenever we need Doctor Doctor Inspector Police Chief Mountain Dew. He would have yes. he would have got Tumblety, and he would have been dressed up as a Power Ranger whenever he did it. 
Well, there is some possibility that there was also um, an English detective keeping an eye on him. But yeah, Tumblebee did... Uh, he did slip away, and in the meantime, uh, the... New York police, like, they were publishing all this stuff in the papers, this possible connection, because Jack Thrift was this big thing. And so uh, what do you think Dr. Tumblety did uh, to, uh, you know, attack this slur on his character? Write an autobiography. He published a pamphlet. Uh, Dr. Francis Tumblety's sketch of the life of the gifted, eccentric, and world-famed physician. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I also had another note from when he was in New York that he would stay with a Mrs. McNamara. And there was a merchant who knew her. And he said, quote, Mrs. McNamara is a queer old lady, very religious and kind hearted. He began stopping with her years ago and has lived there ever since when he was in New York. He used to explain his long absences at night when he was prowling about the streets by telling her he had to go to a monastery and pray for his late wife, end quote. So here's the real question. I, I for a while, I was without a home, and I had to store the, the things that I kept. I kept my Transformers, and I had Transformers stored where I worked. Amber had a bunch of Transformers in her basement. Yep. Yep. I, I kept my Transformers. It was rough, but I did it. The question is, what happened to his uterus collection? That is an excellent question, Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Is there a museum someplace that has, like, Dr. Tumblety's uterus collection? <laughs> I I need to look it up. I'm looking it up <laughs> right now. Okay, you let me know. I'm willing to bet that he had to skip town at some point too quickly to be able to stop and save the uteri. Uh, save the uteri, by the way, is my new uh, femme punk band. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if femme punk is a thing, but I'm making it one. So it can be. It It absolutely is. So, yeah, he had to skip town too soon before he could do it. And then some poor family moves in and opens up the cupboards and finds that (laughs) and just dispose of them, probably. That would be, I think, the most likely explanation. Yeah, there is. Yeah. What happened to it? That's I, I don't know what happened to it. I think I think that sounds about right. While we're on the, the Jack the Ripper area, I think we should compare descriptions of Tumblety with descriptions we have of Jack the Ripper. Because we do have a couple. I mean, obviously, we have some, like, sketches, photos, something. Um, but I have two different descriptions of him from newspapers of the day uh, from about this time. And they're very different, but uh, can be kind of similar. And then we, do you guys want to compare those to some of the descriptions of Jack the Ripper? Absolutely. Yes. Let's go for it. Okay. So from the Evening Star of D.C., quote, he is about 55 years old, tall and rather heavy, and looks as if he painted his cheeks and dyed his hair, heavy mustache, and side whiskers. Hmm. Then we have another one. Uh, he was a very eccentric character, six feet high, dark complexion, large and long flowing mustache, and was well built. And then it <clears throat> mentions the Greyhounds. Um, so, yeah. And then Jack the Ripper, I was looking around for descriptions. Uh, age generally is pinned. Sometimes he's put in the late 20s, but he's usually 30, 34, 35. We do get about 40 at one point in time. As far as height, 
we get uh, five foot high, we get five feet, six inches, five feet, five feet, five feet, seven, five feet, nine, but never really much taller than that. And then as far as uh, complexion, dark complexion, another one is pale complexion. So I guess it depends on how much moonlight there is. He was a short, tall man with a wide, thin mustache. Exactly, yeah. One description is slight mustache curled up at each end, and another one is uh, side whiskers and a thick, carroty mustache. Um, I don't know where to go with that. And then another one has him clean shaven. So uh, Jack the Ripper is every man. Jack yep. the Ripper broke the surface of Loch Ness. His head was about the size of a horse, and he was had green scales and breathed fire. That's right. <laughs> Jack the Ripper was the Loch Ness Monster. You heard it here first. I do think that the height thing makes it extremely unlikely that he was uh, Jack the Ripper. So that's he's always said to be tall and six foot. And uh, the the medium height is is what we get generally for Jack the Ripper. So, But you know what? Okay, so I'm going to dispute this. Because if you meet somebody and you're just talking to them... You're actually going to assume that they're shorter than if somebody is attacking you. Your brain's going to think that they're so much bigger than you because their force is so much bigger. Well, these descriptions are generally from witnesses to the attack or to to just prior to the attacks, usually. Yeah, but um, the the doctor wasn't attacking anybody. Yeah, and he was said to be uh, six feet high. So oh, okay. I'm switching it. I'm switching it. Okay, my bad. And that's okay. It, it is confusing because it's like 18 million descriptions of Jack the Ripper. So it's like, who's who? What's what? I don't know. <laughs> but when, witness descriptions aren't usually correct anyway. Yeah, that is true. Well, they can be very, very unreliable. And, and as we can see, we get so many different ages, different descriptions of uh, facial hair, descriptions of complexion. It's really, you know, they did make a composite sketch out of all the sketches or out of all the descriptions. And I'm like, how? <laughs> Just a ball of pure fucking energy. That's Jack yeah. the Ripper. You had one person who said he had light eyelashes, and I'm like, how close to him were you on this dark night that you were able to pinpoint the color of his eyelashes? Jack the Ripper had the smallest pancreas I'd ever seen in a man. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to look out for the, for the three polyps in his anus that I happened to glance Whenever he was brutally eating a kidney. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like that's probably not. Uh, I, I feel like it's a, it's a definite no for me. Yeah. Plus, everybody always says he hated women so much. And granted, I do think that there can be woman hating homosexual serial killers who might kill women too i I think is entirely a possibility um it just really depends on which way the psyche goes um if you if it if it if the hate is going outward to women uh then they'll probably kill women if the hate is going inwards towards themselves uh to something that society and people have told them is wrong but is really fine and you know just perfectly natural then they'll probably attack men that's that's my theory though uh, I mean, I, I it's it's got to go on a case by case basis. You, Absolutely, you, yeah. yeah. You can't say this than that. I would be interested to see if Tumblety had a head injury in his past. Oh yes, mm-hmm. yes. Was, was was there phrenology done? 
I'm sure there was. I'm well, sure there was, was on him, not that we know of, but they probably they they held him for like a couple of weeks in in England. They probably got someone in there. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it looks like in Rochester, Tumblety lived with his sister in 1893. And I do have actually. He was still talking to the press in 1889. No, the man didn't learn to keep his mouth shut. Of no, he absolutely not. did not. Yeah, this was only this was January thirtieth of eighteen eighty nine. So, like a little over a month after he skipped out of New York, because he skipped out on December fifth. Now, the article is the title of it is "Might Be a Worse Fellow." Yep, <laughs> it's from the Pittsburgh Dispatch, uh, and the quote is: "Doctor Francis Tumblety, suspected in London of being Jack the Ripper, is trying to convince the people here that he is not such a bad fellow after all. Yesterday, he told the newspapers how popular he was with women, and to prove it, showed poetry which was dedicated to him by a duchess. Today, he announces that he has letters which were written to him long ago when he was a specialist in nervous diseases by such men as Abraham Lincoln, Horace Greeley, Prof." Professor F.B. Morse, that's Morse of Morse code, and Williams and Guion, Guion, which is, as far as I can tell, a New York firm that uh, was run by brothers, was a steamship company. I think Guion was was that knife-headed monster that Gamera fought. (laughs) Possibly that, too. He also wrote a letter on on his behalf. These letters all speak very highly of Dr. Tumblety as a gentleman and physician. And then another account that I read in the Evening World adds, of course, General Sherman and the late Emperor Napoleon to that list. Jesus Christ, this dude got around. And he has, uh, about two weeks later, three weeks later, he talked to the New Ulm, I can't even say this town's name, New Ulm Weekly Review. And this is probably my favorite Quote, Dr. Francis Tumblety, who enjoyed a revived notoriety because arrested by the London police on suspicion of being Jack the Ripper, rests quietly in New York. He tells the New York world he was arrested because he wore a slouch hat and was an American. With considerable feeling, he accuses the London police of having dyspepsia, all of them, and from eating beef and pot pies and drinking stale beer. Then, in uh, Pittsburgh, well, no, it wasn't in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going to have to zoom in on this because I, I have a, actually I just took a screenshot of it uh, again in the pittsburgh dispatch this is still 1889 he's still doing shit on june 6th he hit a dude with a cane <laughs> yeah all right here's the article titled perfectly eccentricity of dr tumblety props to the pittsburgh dispatch headline writer in 1889 Oh, Dr. Francis Tumblety, once suspected by the London police of being Jack the Ripper, passed last night in jail because he struck George Davis over the head with his cane. He met Davis for the first time on Broadway last midnight and tried to walk home with him. Davis told him to go away, but he wouldn't do it. Davis then called him a base name. Tumblety struck him across the neck with his cane. Davis shouted for help, and Tumblety caned him till a policeman arrested both of them. In a police court this morning, Davis and the policeman told the same story concerning Tumblety's eccentric behavior. Tumblety merely denied the charge of assault. He was flashily dressed and sparkling with diamonds. He showed everyone a pamphlet which contained a history of his career in all parts of the world. In it, J.G. Bennett declared him to be the only doctor in whom he had any confidence. Horace Greeley asked him to call, and Willard Parker declared he wanted to shake a hand with him. When arrested, Tumblety had $1,000 in his pocket he was held for examination that's a lot of money to have in your pocket now 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. He does uh, get bail of $300 and he skips out on it. Uh, and the bail was supposed to be settled by his bondsman, who was Henry Clue, who's going to come up a little bit later. But yeah, that all happened. And then, yeah, in 1890, he was actually arrested on. Now, this, I have to admit, beating someone with a cane, yes, arrest people for that. But he was arrested in um, on a suspicious person charge. Just people said he was the police was like that guy's acting shady. He had more than three thousand dollars in money and jewelry on him. That's quite a bit. Um, and uh, there was a stablekeeper and a saloon keeper who gave evidence as to his character. Judging by what that evidence was, was about how he was such a great surgeon and served at the Battle of Bull Run. I think it was probably bullshit that he fed to them. And then there's a quote. Uh, the doctor's book was offered as evidence and, referring to it, the judge said that when a book containing the signatures of crowned heads of Europe and the potentates of America is presented to prove a man's good character, he always looked upon it with suspicion, end quote. And the charge was dismissed. Yay. <laughs> Our and hero. Then, yeah, and then there's nothing else until 1893, like you said, when he's in Rochester. Yeah, with living, his- living with his sister. He had some heart troubles, and he actually, guess what, checked into the hospital as Mr. Townsend. No. (laughs) Totally, yeah. Um, The quote was, he was unmarried, and as he aged, he developed a reticence about himself and his affairs that almost amounted to mania. So he actually stopped talking about himself. Oh, my God. Uh, He requested that no friends or relatives be informed of his hospital stay. He was allowed to go for walks, so he asked to you know, be allowed to go for a walk one day after he'd been there for some time. He came back to the hospital after his walk, sat down on the steps. He fell asleep and fell forward on his face, quote, breaking his nose and sustaining a shock from which he never recovered, end quote. Mm-hmm. He died in 1903. He was buried in Rochester, and there was... There were some final actions after his death. Did you get the stuff about the will? I did not. Okay, so you said he was a very wealthy man. Well, you weren't kidding. Uh, He had $138,000 after his death that was uh, with uh, Henry Clues, the the banker dude. That's about $4,100,000 today. Wow. Damn. And now his will was a problem because it left some of it to relatives and some like a Catholic figureheads, like a, a, an archbishop and a cardinal or something like that. But there was no provision for the remainder. Uh, Clues wanted to keep the remainder and uh, 27 other heirs filed a lawsuit. These were the ones who hadn't been mentioned in the will, obviously. Uh, and it appears that the from from what I can understand, the one article that I could find about the sort of resolution of this was rather confusing. But it does appear that the heirs lost. Mm, that's a shame. I'm totally picturing like knives out right now. <laughs> like they just battle each other for it. Man, seven heirs. Jeez, or you know, not heirs, but relatives. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't his d- direct descendants. He didn't have any children. He never married. Really? No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I mean, he said he got married, but we don't know. Whatever happened with that, he never remarried. So It was probably a potato and two sticks. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy bastard. That's, that's all my stuff. 
that's that's all I've got. Me too, although I do have a theory that he was never married, and that was a cover story, so he didn't have to admit that he was gay. Well, yeah, that's... Okay, do you guys know who Raymond Burr is? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. Raymond Burr, uh, very, very famous, uh, very famous actor, uh, known probably... The two things that he's known for is he was the American lead in the original Godzilla film in 1955, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and he was... Scott, you're the only one that knows that. I'm not the only one that knows <laughs> that. But he's most famous for being Perry Mason. He was a copra farmer for a while. He took a bullet. He had... Uh, he was a very rough-and-tumble guy. It was understood in Hollywood that, hey, you don't ask this man about his wife. We don't, we don't ask this man about his, about his, uh, about his kid. Uh, uh, please understand, Raymond Burr, uh, he had a wife and child. They died in a plane accident, and he doesn't like to talk about it. So it was an understanding amongst the Hollywood reporters that we do not ask Raymond Burr about his wife and children. We don't ask him who he's dating because, you know, he's going to be mourning his wife and, wife and daughter for a long time. The truth of the matter was, Raymond Burr was gay. Raymond Burr was very gay. Incredibly gay. Like... Super gay. Super gay. <laughs> Raymond Burr was very, very gay. And it was just, you know, it was a story that his manager put out. You know, yeah, Raymond, Raymond was married. Raymond was married. And, you know, it's, uh, it's we don't talk about that. Uh, Vincent Price, of course. Vincent Price. Somebody once asked if Vincent Price was gay. Vincent Price was married to, uh, to Mary, his wife, Mary Price. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> and he, uh, somebody said, uh, Vincent doesn't care what side of the street he drives down. <laughs> and I just love that phrase. He doesn't care what side of the street they drive down. <laughs> oh, God. Fantastic. See, I, I honestly, I, I feel like we should have, um, I, this is going to sound weird, but like, I feel like there should be more gay people in Hollywood. Like, I, I don't know if a lot of them are closeted or if there really aren't that many gay people in Hollywood, but it seems strange to me that <laughs> it's still the minority. Probably for, closeted for fear of being typecast. Oh, maybe. Uh, I guess it would be hard to play like the straight love interest, maybe. I don't know. I mean, shit, you know, uh, Neil Patrick Harris played like the uber heterosexual in How I Met Your Mother, and everybody, you know, he had come out way before he gotten that gig. Oh, he, yeah, that's true. That's true. But he, he's an incredible actor. Yeah. So. Yeah, he might. He's, he, I think he's probably more like a one-off. You know, he's he's one of the the ones of the success stories of people who are able to to pull it off through you know sheer talent. And a lot of you know people might look at that and be like, well, he could do it, but I don't know if I can. You know. Yeah. I was just a curiosity thing, really. Yeah, it looks like uh, Raymond Burr had a relationship with, uh, with uh, Robert Benavides, uh, another gay actor, Tab Hunter. Um, yeah, yeah, and heck, who cares? One way or the other. He was supposedly, uh, he was supposedly attached with Natalie Wood. But, yeah, this was to help disguise Natalie Wood's relationship with Robert Wagner, who she later married. Yeah. Everybody's bearding. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
But oh. I want to give Raymond Burr a hug. Tell him it's going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, what are you guys up to this weekend? I am going to drive for a really long time. There you go. <laughs> and then get to my happy place. <laughs> nice. I'm so excited for you. I'm excited for me too. If I can live through the drive. Oh. So uh, we'll we'll see. I bought new movies for the DVD player in the van, but I'm going to also have to listen to them for like ten hours. So we'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh, what are you guys up to? Um, I'm getting the new podcast ready for release. I actually decided to put off the release another week just to make sure that I have everything in order and to kind of get into the swing of juggling two. Um, but yeah, without having to prep for classes in the fall, it's pretty much, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm just doing podcasting. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to put out the trailer, uh, by the time this is heard, uh, the trailer should have, I, I, I should have released it on the main feed. So you'll get to hear a little bit of what this is going to be about. Yeah. So I'm just, uh, just doing that stuff. And, um, uh, that's pretty much it. I think it's going to be a little bit of chillier weekend so not too much outside stuff what about you scott i have got so many decisions to make it's ridiculous i am so overwhelmed i don't know what i'm going to do just drink on it i mean think on it (laughs) (laughs) i I was gonna say write stuff down in pros and cons but amber's got a possibility too (laughs) i think i think what i'm going to do is i've got 93 hours of vacation i think i'm going to take a little vacation time and there you go. do some do some thinking about what my next move is cuz I'll be I'll be honest like I am I am stressed out. I am absolutely stressed out about this decision. Uh Yeah, I I'm not quite certain what I'm going to do. Uh I know the one thing I do know for a fact is I am definitely going to try to go for voiceover voiceover stuff. And I am going to try to make a go of that. Beyond that, yeah, I'm I'm completely lost. I don't. I'm so. Somebody hug me. Aww. <laughs> yeah, Long distance it, hug. Oh yeah. I've got my arms out and everything. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not quite certain what I'm going to do here because I know I can't keep going the way that I am going. But I think I have to keep going the way that I am going for a little while longer, just for safety's sake. Uh, but yeah, it's, I hate this decision. I absolutely hate this decision. Uh, I, if it was, if it was me going to, uh, I, I've got a, I've got a, uh, potential job lined up, but it's not a super secure job. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite certain what I'm going to do. So, but I don't want to stay where I'm at because quite honestly, it's looking like I may not have a place in the near future where I'm at. Yeah, that's scary shit. Yeah. It is, it is. But sometimes you got to take the leap. I know it's scary, but um, I I might not be too far behind you as far as taking a big leap. But uh, we will see what the future holds, I suppose. Yeah, and and here's the thing, though. Like, you have have Marcus to back you up. Uh, Christy, you have Jackson to back you up. I don't really have that in my life right now. I mean, I have Ariana. Bitch, please. You've got me. Yeah, it's true. But are you <laughs> going to take me, me in and let me live in your house for free? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, okay. Fuck it. I quit. 
<laughs> Decision made. No. I mean, worst case, worst case scenario, I've got a couch in the basement. Like, uh, you've always got a place to stay. I sleep on a couch now. You know. It's... Yeah. Hey, there's even a drum kit down here, man. Oh, it's dusty, but it, you can you can probably make it work. Man, oh man, oh man. <laughs> but I am going to yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some heavy duty thinking this week. Uh, cause yeah, shit. <laughs> all right well everybody out there all of our intrepid listeners please uh send a little a little ray of 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 good thoughts to, in scott's direction just wherever you are send it generally towards pennsylvania um and and help him uh you know send some good energy towards him making this decision and uh and possibly taking a big step so yeah. that you know it, it could be exciting change can be terrifying and exciting at the same time if you decide to do that so, so it's yeah. mostly terrifying until it starts working and yeah. then it's exciting yeah. that is very true <laughs> yeah that is very true Le- losing my teaching gig uh that was terrifying at first and uh there was there was a little bit of sobbing um and but then slowly first i got a little bit eventually i kind of became relieved because uh, i think all schools are going to be a shit show this fall and i'm just god i don't have to be there you're damn right <laughs> plus i can focus on this stuff and you know so it, it became you know it was terrifying at first to first get that email but now it's become sort of like you know well i guess i guess i'm doing this then so so yeah i hope scott that you get to experience that feeling and you got to get through the terror first though so i feel you buddy yeah oh yeah oh yeah and it's a thing where it's like the terror is not having the job i have but the terror is also having the job that i have <laughs> definitely a double-edged sword right there. <laughs> oh all right so yeah think happy thoughts for scott and also come follow us on our social media we're old-timey crimey on facebook insta and twitter also don't forget our patreon we have some good stuff the tinies are now back behind that wall we just recorded an absolutely awesome episode that amber told us a story and it was bonkers and we had theories and it was so much fun so you uh you might want to come over and spend a little time with us over there and listen to that don't forget to rate review subscribe tell a friend all that stuff independent creators which is what we are need all the help they can get uh so uh if you uh, i'm gonna be just blatantly emotionally manipulative here if you love us you'll do it (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah uh, i guess that's it for us this week uh we will uh see you next week thank you for listening to our filthy words bye 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 my sources this week are wikipedia R. Michael Gordon, uh, the book is The American Murders of Jack the Ripper, uh, the Jack the Ripper tour website, casebook.org, and I went on a little deep dive into the Library of Congress's Chronicling America project with the Magnolia Gazette, Alexandria Gazette, New York Herald, New Home Weekly Review, Pittsburgh Dispatch, Evening Star, Evening Journal, Evening World, The Sun, New York Tribune, and St. Louis Republic. My sources are wikipedia.org, www.jack-the-ripper.org, and casebook.org. I was on casebook.org and the jacktheripper tour.com. <laughs> <laughs>